Thanks, Alex. Friends, will you please pray with me and for me? Holy Spirit, you are here. Holy Spirit, speak to us as a faith community and speak the word that each of us individually needs to hear. Holy Spirit, may all that I say point us toward greater union and intimacy with you, the lover of our souls. Amen. Accepting and acknowledging the other person's regret in order to be able to move on. A path for self-healing. Relinquishing the anger and negative emotions of a wrong committed against me and developing positive emotions and behaviors toward the person at fault. A long process, but one that is necessary for the spirit to heal. Letting go of a burden that was never yours to begin with. A willingness to forget. Something I don't owe anyone, 
It's a gift, if anything. A buzzword used by people who hurt other people in order to absolve their guilt. Giving up hope that the past could be any different. Something I do for myself to give myself peace. It's a form of self-care. A daily experience. Even when you go through it, the emotions come back and you have to work through it again. Choosing not to hold something against another or oneself. It's choosing mercy instead of retributive justice. Rehumanizing the offender. Bringing my focus to the human reasons for the harm so that anger can soften and I can heal. Not forgetting, not allowing it to repeat or continue. Learning from what hurts me so that I can care for myself better in the future with the wisdom gained from that hurt. I asked uh, my friends and acquaintances on Facebook how they would define forgiveness this past week, and that is some of what they said. And like me, you may disagree with some parts of their nuanced definitions, and hopefully you can see some of the beautiful truths in there as well. Forgiveness is kind of a big deal in our faith. When we're baptized, we say that we accept that our sins have been forgiven. And then when others are baptized, we say that we will surround them with a community of forgiveness. So forgiveness. We're supposed to do it. And according to Jesus in the passage Alex read, we're supposed to do it pretty much nonstop, that our life is a witness of forgiveness. So there's your sermon for today. There's your message. Forgiveness. Do it. Done, right? Y'all ready to leave? But in a TED Talk I watched this week from a really wise woman called Sarah Montana, she brought up the really poignant and true question in forgiveness. It's not just do it, but she asked, how do you do it? She said, brought up even in the Bible, it says forgive, forgive, forgive. How? <laughs> how do you do this? And that's the thing, isn't it? Like we can go to someone and say the words, I forgive you, and we say we have forgiven, but how have our hearts been changed? Is Jesus trying to teach us that there's more to forgiveness than just words that kind of symbolize a transaction has taken place? And here's what I've learned about forgiveness in the past probably five to eight years or so, that at least for me is a lot more grace-filled than just words that signify it's done. Forgiveness is rarely, if ever, a quick transaction that goes from unforgiven to completely forgiven immediately. Now that's how God works, but that's usually not how we work.
Forgiveness is a process. And it's a process where we have to develop a relationship with the pain or hurt we have experienced from another person. Here's what I mean. Before we can forgive someone, we need to be able to state just to ourselves what we are forgiving them for. We need to be able to state how we have been harmed. And we can say that to our we need to be able to say that to ourselves first. Now we're usually taught to run away from our pain. If there's something that is hurt, hurting in our life, we should just rub some dirt on it and move on. Because I think there's this fear that if we walk toward the pain, if we try to engage with it, it's going to overwhelm us. Friends, I'd invite all of us, including myself, to question that belief today. And here's why. One of the most core truths to our faith is that wounds can be a source of healing. Look at Jesus himself. His wounds are what give us healing. Even after the resurrection, when Jesus could have just pretended like everything was fine and dandy, he shares his scars with others. Part of following Jesus means that we can learn to not be ashamed of our wounds. Now, when we read this parable from our scripture today, it can be really easily to think that Jesus is just saying to forgive instantly and do it over and over and over again. Um, it's a pretty intense request by Jesus. But Jesus isn't inviting us towards some math equation. It's not like he's saying, okay, you forgive 70 times 7, 490 times, but on the 491st first time, well, the offender's just out of luck. That, then you can be vengeful. Now he's saying we are invited to a lifestyle of forgiveness. To continually be in that process of forgiveness. And to really forgive somebody, we have to be able to understand what we are forgiving them for. But here's kind of the trick or hang up or tripping point with that. Um, when we can finally state what has been harmed in us, what the other person did that caused us harm, we might realize that we're really hurting from that still and we are not ready to forgive yet, at least not fully. And here's where in the process of forgiveness that we can be gracious with ourselves. Friends, it is okay to ask Jesus to just give us a smidge more desire to forgive because, spoiler alert, Jesus already knows our hearts and knows we're not ready to forgive. So we can just be honest with him and say, I don't really have a heart of forgiveness right now. Please just give me that a little bit more. Just give me that baby step toward forgiveness. That is still living a lifestyle of forgiveness. That is engaging with the 70 times 7. 
Even if it's just that little more forgiveness, week by week, month by month, year by year, whatever it is, that just seeps into our hearts as we go along, Jesus is able to work with that. But if we adamantly refuse to progress in the journey of forgiveness, if we just close ourselves up, say we're not going to let that hurt in, we're not just going to close ourselves off, well then um, there's this really interesting analogy that comes from Dr. Toddy Holman. She's a professor of counseling and theology with a specialization in forgiveness. And she says this, when unforgiveness controls us, we chew on our memory of the offense like a cow chews her cud over and over again. We are flash frozen in a moment of time as victim and victimizer. We are imprisoned by the past. I'm going to read that again. When unforgiveness controls us, we chew on our memory of the offense like a cow chews her cud over and over again. We, meaning us, not the person who did the wrong, are flash frozen in a moment of time as victim and victimizer, because we are holding the victimizer in prison too. And we are imprisoned by the past. Dr. Holman, uh, I had the privilege of auditing a class with this about her back in seminary, and you can see why seminary sometimes kicks our butts in a really needed way. But friends, here's the good news about forgiveness. The good news of forgiveness is that forgiveness doesn't mean we haven't been hurt. Forgiveness doesn't mean reparations or the hard work of reconciliation, which requires two parties, isn't needed. Forgiveness doesn't mean we forget about our mandate to hold each other accountable for our misguided behaviors. Forgiveness does mean that we are not going to hold the wrongdoer or ourselves captive by our own pain. We allow ourselves to heal so that we don't have to withhold ourselves from others in relationship out of fear that we will continue to be hurt. Isn't that the truth? Someone hurts us, we close ourselves off and say, well, I'm not going to let anyone else in. But as um, the woman I previously mentioned, uh, Sarah Montana, says in her TED Talk, when we choose vengeance, we're actually signing a blood oath to chain our story to our enemies for the rest of time. Forgiveness is the only path to freedom. Forgiveness isn't some type of sentimental act, but a deep work of the heart that crucifies the desire for vengeance. There's a phrase that I've heard and agree with um, in the therapeutic world that says, hurt people hurt people. And I think at a certain 
vantage point, that's what Jesus is trying to tell Peter here. If you hold on to hurt and pain and don't continually go into that, enter into that process of forgiveness, you hurt others. And you can't put a number on this forgiveness thing. Now, apparently in the Jewish code, um, they said that a faithful person should forgive somebody for an offense only three times. So you got to think Peter saying that he we should forgive seven times is thinking he was doing pretty good. Seven is twice the amount of three, and even for their culture in that time, seven signalized being complete, being good. That's all you had to do, seven times, and you're good to go. But Jesus teaches that forgiveness isn't a numbers game, but a lifestyle. And maybe I'm only speaking for myself, but sometimes we're afraid that if we forgive somebody, we're concerned or afraid that it means we're allowing that person to hurt us again, or maybe even hurt others. We're afraid that forgiveness will keep justice from happening. But what Jesus is saying here is that unless we're continually in that process of forgiveness, we are the ones who are going to stay the most hurt. Forgiveness and seeking justice for wrong, that's not an either or proposition. It just means that we're committed towards seeking justice from a heart of peace and not one looking for revenge. Because when we see what this forgiven servant does in this scripture story, a person who is forgiven a debt that he could have never paid back, and then he goes on to hold debts against others, that makes a God of forgiveness look pretty bad to others. And friends, our role in the world is to make God look loving and forgiving. And I think Jesus tells this parable to state that forgiven people don't make God look very good when we don't forgive others, or at least try to enter into that process. As people who have been forgiven, we have to enter into this forgiveness journey for not only our sake, but also because we have a responsibility to show the character of a forgiving God to the world. I hate to break it to you, but we're called to do that even when it's hard which it usually is. And in just a few moments, Don is about to sing a song for us. Um, this is a song that came out several years ago um, by an artist named Chris August, who was putting on the finishing touches on his second album, I think. Um, one more song to do. He, 
And his manager said, you know, you really need to make a personal song here. So Chris kind of went home that night, thought about his childhood, thought about his parents' divorce when he was in fifth grade, thought about the pain he experienced and the pain he was still holding on to. And forgiveness, he realized, isn't just a concept, but something that involves real hurt and pain. Pain that God so much wants to meet us in if we're willing to give that space. So as Don says, I invite you to prayerfully discern who you need to forgive. Maybe you know that, maybe you don't. I'm not saying to go from completely unforgiven to forgiven in a moment. I'm not asking you to complete the process just like this. God meets you where you are. And this is a journey for you and Jesus. Just inviting you to maybe give the Holy Spirit a smidge more desire of forgiveness. Because friends, if God can take a mustard seed of faith and do an amazing work, God can take just a smidge of forgiveness and start the healing process. Whether you've been trying to forgive for a long time or just starting today, God is here to meet you. And may you find liberation. Amen.